We're going to be looking tonight in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 45. Genesis, chapter 45. And uh, we have been considering uh, some messages on the Old Testament patriarch, Jacob. And we have considered this story because it covers basically half the book of Genesis. And uh, uh, it is a story of how God took a man named Jacob. And that name means a trickster, a con man. And turned him into Israel. And that means the one who has power with God and who wins the victory. And it gives me the chance to remind you all tonight, as I have many times, that God loves us just the way we are. And He loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us just the way we are, and He loves us too much to leave us that way. So he, when He saves us, He begins to work in us and change us into the man and woman, the person that He wants us to be. We're seeing this play out then in the life of Jacob. And in Genesis chapter 45, we're continuing on in that part of Jacob's story that's actually told through his son, Joseph. And uh, just to remind you, you'll remember that Joseph was just one uh, of uh, many of the 12 sons that uh, Jacob had. And uh, uh, Joseph uh, was hated by his brothers. They killed an animal and put the blood on that coat of many colors that his father had given him, told him uh, that Joseph was dead. And all these years have passed. And uh, all that time, Jacob thinking that his son is dead. And in that meantime, of course, he was sold as a slave, ended up down in Egypt. He was serving to his master in Potiphar's house. He was lied on by Potiphar's wife and ended up in jail. Uh, then he was elevated from prison uh, to the second in command over all of Egypt. It's been quite a, quite a story. Uh, but Joseph has been in that position, high governmental position, second in charge of all of the land of Israel now, or land of Egypt rather, for seven years. Seven years. And all that time, he hasn't reached out to his family, hadn't sent a message to his father. Now, that's a little unusual, you have to admit. We could justify it and say, well, maybe he was busy. Uh, I don't know why he hadn't made contact with his family. All I can tell you is he had not. But then his brothers came to see him. We saw that last week, and there's a famine in the land, and according to the Word of God, all of these people were coming to Egypt because there was food. There was bread in Egypt, and Joseph is able then to be reunited with his brothers. And that's where we take up the storyline tonight. Uh, and they told him, this is his brothers going back now to their father Jacob, they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Thus, the title of our message tonight, uh, The Bucket List. I want to see him before I die. We've all got one of those lists, some things we want to do before we die or before we're too old to do them. 
a bucket list. And this was what uh, Jacob expresses as he hears about his son. I want to go see him, and I will see him now uh, before I die. God was working not only to change Jacob to Israel, but he was working to change Israel into a nation. And we're going to find out tonight that he's going to send them down to Egypt in order to accomplish that task. And uh, that is going to be accomplished, of course, through his son, Joseph. Now, after all these many years of separation, now in the providence of God, they're being brought back together. Throughout all of this event, Joseph has given the credit to God for what happened to him. It's what he said in verse 8 when he spoke to his brothers. So now it was not you, though they were the ones that sold him into slavery. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he, that's God hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all of Egypt. Jacob's heart stood still. That doesn't mean he had a heart attack. Might have skipped a beat. We, we even today still say things like that. Well, when I heard that, my heart stopped. Well, your heart didn't really stop, but you understand the feeling. And uh, there he is then saying, I'm going to go see my son before I die. And interwoven then in this story of, of Jacob wanting to see his son and Joseph longing, of course, to see his father again, is the story of how God blessed them and how God made him a blessing. It's a wonderful thing when interwoven into our plans and our goals and our dreams and our visions of what our life can be. Our lives can get so in tune with what God wants that our story becomes God's story. That the story we long to make of our life, our heart's desire, our bucket list, if you will, gets wrapped up in what God intends to do. And when that happens, when our desire is what God wants for us, uh, then we're walking on victorious ground, brothers and sisters in Christ, when what we want it's what God wants for us. The psalmist was talking about that when he said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall give you what? The desires of your heart. You see, when our ways are God's ways, God can give us whatever we want. Because what we want will be what God wants for us. It's a great story tonight. How God works then to bless them, to give them their heart's desire, but also to become a blessing. All I want, <laughs> just let me see Joseph before I die. And I can die in peace. Don't get the wrong idea. Jacob's going to live another 17 years. Okay. He's not about to drop dead yet. Uh, he's going to go see Joseph, and they're going to get 17 years together uh, before he passes on. And we're going to see then how God took all of this and used it to accomplish that purpose. And, and we see it, of course, in our text where God tells them, uh, you go back, or where Joseph tells his brothers, you go back and you tell my father that I'm still alive. You see, they were blessed with a time of repentance and restitution. You go back, you go back to my dad, 
and you tell my father that I'm alive and you bring him down here to me. He sent them back with abundant supplies. Of course, his full brother Benjamin was given special treatment, uh, but at the end it took 20 donkeys to carry all the stuff that Joseph sent. That's kind of like going to Walmart or Sam's and coming out with 20 buggies. Uh, I think Nancy and I had three buggies one time. I know we routinely used to get two, but uh, uh, 20, 20. uh, That was going to do them for a while. It wouldn't last forever. But when you consider that at least some of those donkeys were loaded down with gold, that that tells you something. Uh, But in a way, you know, you can't eat gold, and there was a famine in the land, and what they really needed was food. They had gold. What they needed was bread. And so they were sent enough to last them for a pretty good while. But notice in verse 24 that Joseph also sent them off with a warning. He said, uh, as he sent his brothers away and they departed, he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. Don't have a fallen out on the way. He knew them well, <laughs> didn't he? They had come to him. They had bowed down before him, just like that dream he had had as a boy had said. Sure enough, there he was, and there all his brothers were bowing down before him. When Joseph told them who he was because they didn't recognize him, uh, their hearts were full of fear. But it's amazing because as they repented, their tears of repentance were intermingled with Joseph's tears of forgiveness. And they had a wonderful time. What a great service. Remember in the Old Testament, Joseph was a type, a, a figure, a picture of Jesus Christ. And you and I know the joy when we get things right with the Lord Jesus Christ. When there's something that's burdened in us and how that must have burdened them all those years when they had lied to their father and told them that Joseph was dead. How it must have concerned them then when they found themselves standing before them. But all the freedom that comes when they bow down and they get down at the altar and they confess their sins and Joseph forgives them of their sins. But there was some unfinished business And that's the way it is. You see, we can come to church and we can respond to a message and come to the altar, although not many people do that anymore. But we can do that. We can go to Bud Creek or Bog Springs and we can have a great service and we can all go down and rededicate our life. But you know what? The end of the service comes. The end of camp comes. The end of revival comes. And you've got to go right back to that situation you were in before. Whatever was wrong is is still wrong. And though you might have gotten right with God, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be right with the state of Arkansas. Amen? I mean, that just, it just doesn't always work out. There's still still consequences to whatever was going on in our life. Whatever decisions we'd made, they're still there. And in the case of Joseph and his brothers, you see that plays out with his brothers. Had to go back and tell dad what they had done. Don't you know that was a long trip? All the way from Egypt back to the land of Canaan. (laughs) Normally they'd be happy coming home with 20 uh, 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 donkeys full of stuff. It'd be a wonderful trip for them. Oh man, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. But it wasn't wasn't a joyful trip for them this time. We got to go home and fess up. Now, Joseph knew that they'd be tempted along the way to make up some outlandish story 
to come up with some idea. Well, you know, we thought he was dead. <laughs> well, and, and maybe to blame each other. Well, now, now you know, it, Simeon was the one who come up with that coat stuff. Well, I didn't, I didn't know nothing about it. We can see him coming up, postulating all those different ideas. Of course, none of those things happen. Uh, he, and Joseph had told them, don't have a falling out along the way. What he was telling you, telling them was, and telling us was that they had made things right with the Lord and they needed to follow through on that decision. Because listen, if we don't follow through with that decision that we make, when we get under conviction and we respond to the conviction of God and we forget, confess our sin and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and we know that we've gotten things right between me and God. We need to follow through. If we don't follow through and go back to deal with the people that we've wronged, um, then we have a falling out along the way. I'm convinced a lot of times that's why people end up right back where they were before. But in this case, they went back, and sure enough, they stood before their father. They did exactly what Joseph had told them to do. You go back and tell them, and they did. They didn't mince any words, although I have to think that they probably lingered around in telling them that what Joseph had told them. You know, it was not you that did this. It was God. God had a plan in this. Dad, I, I would have lingered on that a little bit. Maybe they didn't. But when they all got things together and they told them, Jacob was passing all of that. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough, he said, to know that my son is alive and that I'm going to get to see him before I die. Now, we look at this text then and we see how that God blessed them with a great time of repentance and restoration. Where these brothers were able to get right with their brother Joseph. But they were also able to get right with their father, Jacob. From time to time, we need to remind ourselves that the Bible tells us not to let the sun go down on our wrath. That is, don't let today's anger interfere with tomorrow. Sundown started a new day. Don't carry your anger. That's why the Bible tells us, agree with thine adversary quickly while you're still in the way. Don't, don't let this thing turn into a long season of bitterness. When God gives us an opportunity to repent and make things right, take it. Those opportunities are precious. They're precious. Time to be forgiven and to forgive others. God bless them with the time then of repentance and restitution. Then notice they were blessed with a renewed experience with God. Chapter 46 and verse 1, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night. God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, 
Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee unto Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Now you might be wondering tonight why that God addressed himself to Israel, and the Bible specifically says that. God spoke to Israel and called him Jacob twice. Why did he do that? I've got the answer for you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I looked and looked and looked and read and reread, and I don't, I, I, there's not any indication. The best I could see was that a lot of what God was going to tell him uh, had to do with him as a person, uh, but part of it had to do with Israel. I, I don't know. I don't know. That name is significant, though, and for him to call him that twice is... Jacob is going down to Egypt. He knows his grandpa did not fare well when he went down to Egypt. And so on the way, he stops at Beersheba, just there on the, on the border, and he builds an altar, and he offers up sacrifices unto God. Before I leave this land and go down to Egypt, I want to commune with God. Folks, that's a good thing for us to do as God's people. You're sitting in church on Sunday night, but I'm going to tell you, you've got to go to Egypt tomorrow morning. Some of you are further in Egypt than others, but if you're going to work, you're going to do business, you're going to school, you're going out into the world. It's a good thing for us to do as God's people to pause and pray, seek God before we head out into the world. That's what Jacob was doing. And incredibly, for the first time in a long time, as far as the biblical narrative is concerned, God appears to Jacob again in a dream. And in this vision that he had of God, God restored his covenant with him. Look what he says, verse 3. I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Fear not. Now in that I can really see the only reason why that God was still was calling him Jacob, though he was Israel, and he was Israel. He was being afraid like Jacob. Remember when he had left his uncle Laban's house and went to meet his brother Esau? And he was full of fear. Now he's going down to Egypt. His son has compelled him to go. He has to go. But he's still full of fear. And so God tells him, even though that uh, there's still the vestiges of that old person that he was... Uh, I'm still speaking to you as Israel. You're a man who has power with God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will there make of you a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon your eyes. Now that describes that... that 
thing that happens when a person dies and somebody closes their eyes. And what God was telling Jacob was he was going to die in Egypt. He was leaving the promised land. He would not return alive. He would die in Egypt, but they wouldn't bury him in Egypt. They'd bring him back home, but God was telling him, you're going to go down as a family. But he said, while you're in Egypt, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And I will be with you in Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. This old pilgrim patriarch is showing a, a lot of spiritual discernment. And because of that, he's received this very individual promise. God was going to take care of him. And though he was going to die in a foreign land, God had a purpose and a plan, and all was well. What a blessing that is then. First of all, for there to be a time of repentance and restitution. And this dark cloud of, of grief that had hung over him for 20 years now, it's been lifted with a single sentence, your son lives. And incredibly, he's ruler over all of Egypt. Wow. Then, of course, they were blessed with a reunion. Verse 28 and he sent Judah before him. That's uh, uh, Jacob sending Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face unto Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, and presented him to himself, or presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. I bet he did. And Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. Considering all that has happened, this reunion between Israel and Joseph is almost understated. Certainly it was tearful, certainly it was joyful. But uh, the 17 years that they were going to be together, no doubt, would fly by, and then they would be apart again. And then united again in the providence and plan of God. United again, but in that land across the river. I'm talking about in heaven and paradise. 17 years, just a short while. And I think perhaps the, the Bible gives us such a brief assessment of their reunion to remind us that there is no reunion on earth like the one Jesus will bring us to in eternity. I've had some wonderful family reunions, and I know you have too. Uh, the older we get, the harder it is to get all of our family together. I remember when we used to gather up at my grandmother's house outside Taylor, Arkansas, uh, out in the community uh, around uh, 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 Dorchit, and uh, some uh, I, I hesitated to tell you that because y'all don't know what Dorchit is uh, unless you're from South Arkansas. It's okay, it's a creek. Um, and we'd gather up at, at Mimal's house, and my goodness, it looked like a young town. It's a great time. But of course, all my parent mothers, uh, people are all gone now, they're all across over the other side. Grandmother, Mamaw, Papaw, all gone. 
and getting that family together and all of us kids and cousins and great cousins. You know, it gets tougher, doesn't it? Doesn't it get tougher as you get older? Then you get down to just your own family. And, you know, I try to get, Nancy and I try to get me and her and our five kids and 12 grandkids together. And it takes an act of Congress almost. Although that's not as funny as it used to be to talk about an act of Congress. Reunions are wonderful. But we have never yet been to a reunion like the one we're going to have when we gather together in glory. Nothing we'll ever have down here is going to be like the one Jesus brings us to in eternity. They were blessed, mightily blessed in this passage. He was blessed with a time of repentance and a time of restitution as they got right with God and got right with Joseph and got right with each other. They were blessed with that renewed experience with God as they had a fresh vision of God. And repentance and restitution always gives us a fresh vision of God. And then there's that great time of reunion. They were blessed. But they were blessed then so that they could become a blessing. I want to show you in Genesis 47 and 7, tremendous passage of Scripture. Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh. Now, I want you to see. Here's this old pilgrim patriarch, a shepherd. Maybe Joseph had fixed him up with some new duds if he had clothes. I mean, if if he had, I'm sure that, you know, old Jacob probably didn't feel very comfortable in him. Kind of itchy and scratchy. Maybe he's just there in his shepherd's clothes. You see that old man, grizzled old patriarch, walking in. What's he doing? He's limping. He's been limping that way for a long, long time. Limping on his staff, leaning. There's Pharaoh and Joseph, no doubt, with all of their pomp and ceremony, all the gold. We know a little bit about the opulence and wealth of Egypt. We can only imagine what that scene looked like coming into Pharaoh. And here's Jacob limping in on his staff. And he set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? (laughs) How old are you, man? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained to the days of the years of life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. That is, my ancestors lived a lot longer than I did. I have. Verse 10. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now it was, of course, the custom of the day when men came into the position of the king of Pharaoh. They would bow down and put their face on the ground. That was not the posture of blessing. For Jacob to bless Pharaoh, that means he had to stand before Pharaoh and raise his hands, staff and all. (laughs) I'm not sure how he did that. That was the posture of blessing. It was no doubt a tribute to the relationship that he had father of Joseph that He was allowed to do such a thing, but even more, it was in the providence of God. 
See, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that without controversy, the less is, is blessed to the greater. And that was told of, of Melchizedek and Abraham and how that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And without controversy, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us the less is blessed to the greater. Pharaoh might be king of all of Israel. He might have command of a nation's wealth and of a nation's armies. He might have all of the position and all of the power. But Jacob is standing there with his hands up. <laughs> he has power with God. And that puts Pharaoh in a lesser position than Israel because he has power with God. But this isn't about position, folk. It's about blessing. You remember it's about blessing. I just want to go see my son before I die. That's all I want. Well, he got that. I saw my son's face. He got that. But interwoven into that story is a story of how God used him to bless Pharaoh, to bless a whole nation of Egypt. He was the prophet of God. Remember, he was the patriarch, the spiritual leader of Israel. He was the prophet. And when those Old Testament prophets raised their hands and pronounced a blessing or a curse, it was a matter of great significance. We'll see that play out in our next message, our last in this series next week. Just a bucket list. I want to see my son. But how about this for a bucket list? I want to be a blessing to people. I want to be a blessing. And when I leave, I want to leave a blessing behind. All he wanted to do was see his son. That was his heart's desire. But in giving him his desire, he blessed him. But then he made him a blessing God's people tonight, that's some great thing for us to remember. God doesn't just bless us so He can bless us. But He blesses us so we can be a blessing. He doesn't just change us to change us. He changes us so that we can be a blessing. So that we can give Him honor and glory. What a goal in life. I want to leave out. I want to be a blessing. And I want to leave a blessing behind. It might be wealth and money, land, property, houses. It might be. You know, but what Jacob gave Pharaoh was something that money couldn't buy. The blessing of God. He pronounced a blessing on him. By contrast, think about when his grandfather, Abraham, came before Pharaoh. Remember what he had done? Let me introduce you to my sister. <laughs> Remember that? He was talking about his wife, Sarah. It's my sister. Oh, good, I'll just take her. <laughs> and he did. And God cursed Pharaoh's house because he took Sarah. And he called Abraham. Pharaoh called Abraham in, different Pharaoh, but still, same principle. Called Abraham in. Look at what you've done. You've been a curse to me, brought a curse on me. Hmm. What a contrast. But Jacob goes before Pharaoh and is able to bless him. That's what happens when you stop on the way and build an altar and seek God. 
That's what happens when you go in the assurance of God and under the leadership of God. That's what happens when God blesses you with times of repentance and restoration. That's what happens when we can go in the power of that with the assurance that God's with us. Talk about a bucket list. I want to be a blessing. And I want to leave a blessing behind. Let's stand together, please.